I'm Jamie Adams, and I've been ensnared by the forging of keys. I'm Ivan McAllister, and I'd like to apologise to patron Lloyd Burke for getting his name wrong on our last cast. And I'm Sam Mags, and I'm unique. And this is Brainwaves, bringing you the most unique news in board game and tabletop gaming. These are the unique headlines for the week of 26th of November, 2018. White Wolf implodes. Ninja Division dig a hole that is $750,000 deep. And praise be to the algorithm as Keyforge finally launches. All this and more in this unique episode of Brainwaves. White Wolf uh, announced on their website over the weekend that they were actually folding. The Paradox Entertainment, the owners of White Wolf, are taking white the taking the White Wolf company into Paradox Entertainment, basically amalgamating the company completely, having a big change of staff, and also putting on hold the Camarilla and Anarch books that were coming out. Why, you may ask? Well, there has been a lot of controversy about the new version of Vampire right from its beginning. In the upcoming Camarilla sourcebook, uh, there was a story point that used the homophobic rounding up of gay men and the killing of gay men in Chechnya as a story point. It was handled pretty disrespectfully and it caused a lot of outrage in the LGBTQ community, completely understandably. Uh, there have been various other controversies about the books since uh, the v- uh, version 5 launch and Paradox have finally stepped in. A statement on the website said that the world of darkness has always been about horror, and horror is about exploring the darkest paths of our society, our culture, and ourselves. Horror should not be afraid to explore difficult or sensitive topics, but it should never do so without understanding who those topics are about and what it means to them. Real evil does exist in the world, and we can't ever excuse its real perpetrators or cheapen the suffering of its real victims. In the Chechnya chapter of the V5 Camarilla book, we lost sight of this. The result was a chapter that dealt with a real-world, ongoing tragedy in a crude and disrespectful way. We should have identified this either during the creative process or in editing. This did not happen, and for this we apologise. The full statement, of course, will be linked in our show notes, but basically... uh, White Wolf will no longer exist. It'll be part of Paradox Entertainment. What will happen with these books down the line, no one really knows at the moment. Though presumably they will be released eventually because a lot of other work has gone into them. But yeah, it's it's obviously a black mark on uh, Paradox and White Wolf after a whole slew of problems uh, where they basically round about the release of the 5th the edition of the game. They did have to basically say that they were not dog-whistling to the far right and the alt-right, uh, which they were accused of through some of the writing in the book. It's basically been a bit of a catastrophe from for them top to bottom. Not very well handled at all. I think the part of the press release that you said there, Ian, you know, hits it on the head. It's horror is about exploring the dark paths of our society, our culture, ourselves. Shouldn't be afraid to discuss difficult, sensitive topics, but never without understanding who those topics are about and what it means to them. And you know, yeah, there's a way to talk about this stuff without basically cheapening that event especially such a recent event as well this has obviously been a bit of a catastrophe uh paradox do seem to have eventually taken the reins and done the right thing so we'll see if this comes out in the end i'm sure there are some good writers within white wolf but they've certainly had a lot of controversy of some of the people they've hired and it sounds like a major restructuring and major rethink is needed by the company on november the 11th 2015 ninja divisions kickstarter for super dungeon explore legends ended with $1,290,522 US dollars out of a goal of 80,000 US dollars. Initially, they'd planned to deliver by December of 2016. At the time of recording this, it is November 2018. Documents got 
put up recently uh, on Reddit uh, relating to a claim that Ninja Vision have filed. And the upshot of this is, although they raised over $1 million, they are now looking for $750,000 more to properly finish the Kickstarter. With the initial funds raised, they are deducting project expenses, refunds, annual overheads, and total Kickstarter payment and basically all the bits for yeah, all the proce- bits for processing the company, fees. So basically, they need they're looking for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars more to properly finish this Kickstarter. We'll post a complete breakdown of that in the show notes, of course. Um, the important thing here to note is, good or bad. The level of response that Ninja Division have received from the gaming community has been, shall we say, appalling at very least. It's one of those news stories that we come across quite frequently that Kickstarter is not a store, unless it is, and you can check out the most recent claustrophobia Kickstarter for what I mean by that. But basically, Kickstarter is not a pre-order store, and things go sometimes horrendously wrong, even for established companies like Ninja Division. They are, yeah, they are deep in a hole, and that's a major problem. It looks like backers may not ever see this, unfortunately. But that doesn't give anybody any right to, as the claim says, Ninja Division have had basically people threatening them, threatening their families, and also sort of review bombing their product as well, which isn't helping because that is obviously affecting their cash flow to be able to do so, do more things. Yes. So that actually, that, that sort of attitude although annoying i can i can completely sympathize with everyone who put money into this and isn't getting their product that sort of like rage is not really helping the situation at all after what seems like a long wait but in reality has only been about three or four months keyforge is finally here um fantasy flights now flagship game really they their unique deck game that they announced at this year's Gen Con. Finally came out last week and we got our hands on some and we've been playing it a fair amount between the three of us, I think. Yeah, I went to a little tournament last Wednesday at Black Lion Games, local game shop. Had a really good time, picked up a deck. It's really good fun. I really liked it. And I played that deck a couple more times against Sam and my brother-in-law David as well at the Glasgow Games Festival, which we'll talk about later. I said that I would be very wary about it. And then I went and bought a deck or two. I bought a load of stuff um, day after release day. Sam basically keeps fancy flying business. I've only got like nine decks, I think, in total. And, and how much X-Wing 2? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a different game though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Arkham Horror Card game? Uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't talk to me about that. <laughs> I've probably got more than Sam in that. Anyway, um, we've been playing it all weekend against various people. Basically, any downtime we get in my house, I live with two other people, any downtime that anyone gets in the house, someone's playing Keyforge. And it's actually quite good, really, just to be playing a competitive card game, which I haven't done for a long time. I've really enjoyed, but I've only got one deck so far, and I've really enjoyed really delving into that deck and figuring out how it works and seeing combos. And I'm still sort of seeing little combos and different things I could do with the deck even now. I've sort of five games in. I'll be writing up a review fairly shortly for the site because I think it is worth reviewing. So if you live under a rock and you haven't heard about this, although if you're listening to a board game podcast, I assume you have heard about Keyforge. Although if it's your Um, first time listening to it, hello. And let us tell you about this game called Keyforge. Keyforge is a competitive two-player card game with a gameplay very similar to most competitive card games you've probably played before. You've got creatures, artifacts, um, just one-shot event cards, you know, that you play and you're just trying to beat your opponent towards 
an end goal. It was designed by Richard Garfield in collaboration with Fantasy Flight Games, and it's the world's first unique deck game. What that means is you don't deck build in this game. There's no booster packs. You go to the shop, you pay um, over here in the UK. It's um, between eight or nine pounds, and you get a deck. That is your deck. It is procedurally generated using the all holy sacred algorithm. Everything seems pretty balanced at the moment, but that is your deck. It is unique to you, and you cannot change it. There are seven factions. You'll get three out of the seven factions in your deck with the unique deck name, unique deck uh, card back art that, again, is being kind of algorithmically procedurally generated. Yeah, some names we've got at the moment. We've, I've, um, One of my favourite ones is the Corporal Who Hustles Coin Purses. The second deck I have is the Goblin That Becomes the Mace. Which I think is glorious. Um, we're going to stick on the topic of names. So last week, I think it was about a day or two before the official release of the game, yeah. pre-release events had been happening across America mainly, and Fantasy Flight put out a news announcement saying, so some things seem to have slipped past our name-generating algorithm, um, which has resulted in some defective decks with unfortunate names. And they say it affected um, 0.05% of the first print run, which someone um, estimated being about 50 decks in the world, will be defective, and you won't be able to register them with the online system. So what does unfortunate names mean? No one really knows, but we've had some guesses from a couple of places. Well, we've had some definite hits. <laughs> some decks Probably. That, decks that have not been accepted by the app. The important thing to know is within a, maybe a couple of hours or a day after this was announced, photoshopped cards sprung up everywhere on Reddit and... Yeah, I think at this point it's kind of hard to really know what is legit and what is photoshopped um one that i think has been confirmed as legitimate is titan flayer the farmer of racism i think that's kind of the famous one that's out there there was one that was something like the pirate that jabbers at heteronormativity um <laughs> which i think is just glorious there was the emperor that pays for boys or something the emperor that, that pays true. for boys yes yeah and i think recently the word fascism has popped up in a deck name as well somewhere yeah. out there um, but they said they've tweaked the algorithm and that won't happen in future print runs. We could talk for ages on Keyforge. We don't have much time to hear. The best thing you can do as a listener is subscribe to our Patreon page. Um, at the $2 level, you get entry and access to our sister podcast, Idle Thoughts, that goes out once a month, where we just chat about games we play, and we will definitely be talking about Keyforge over there this month. For sure. On with some more juicy news. Thanks to Real Ideas Organization's Game Changer program, Billy Brown, a man who uh, went left his home less than 10 times uh, in seven years, has created a board game slash RPG to help people with anxiety and improve confidence and social skills. Billy Brown is now 24 and basically he was taken into care repeatedly because his mum wasn't very well um, and he ended up as I said spending uh, seven years at home you know gaming chat rooms only going out really for doctor's appointments and such like 
and now he's come out and developed uh, this game where players will meet once a week for a couple of weeks or a couple of months um, in an attempt to improve their social skills. The idea is the participants play themselves, uh, earning points by achieving certain tasks so they can improve their characters and get points by taking on a challenge in the real world. And they have to obviously prove that they've completed this task and share the the details and results in an online group for each game. I think this is a really fantastic way to get people interested. It's taking, especially if you've got, say, anxiety and you don't want to deal with a lot of social interaction. You know, we, all, we, all, we all have that moment where it's like, I don't want to talk mm. to people. Yeah. And getting like-minded people together and going, okay, you know, it, what, what you're feeling is absolutely fine, but we're going to try and help that through a medium that you might be most familiar with, that maybe you do retreat into the world of online gaming or online forum role-playing and getting you, getting you to play a board game uh, in itself to improve your character slash yourself by completing tasks in the real world. I... I think it's it's very nice. Yeah, it's great. The, the hobby's always been very welcoming of a wide range of people, and it's really and it provides a safe space for people to maybe get out of themselves a little bit and and role play or whatever into into different characters and interact with people in different ways. So it's good to see. It's always good to see the gaming community being cast in a good light and and games being used for really positive ways to help people and to sort of show off what they can do in that in that manner. It's really good to see that kind of thing. I'm a big fan of Black Mirror, guys. Have you watched Black Mirror? I have indeed. Never. <laughs> Straight up, no. Well, you should, Jamie. It is absolutely fantastic. Black Mirror, if you don't know, is the sort of modern day sort of Twilight Zone horror series from Charlie Brooker. Most of the episodes focus on the technology and the way that sort of technology may affect us in the future. It's all sort of like slightly dystopian versions of that technology and now one of those episodes is coming to target in the form of a board game based on the nosedive episode nosedive was the first episode of season three i think that was when black mirror first went to netflix and turned into a slightly longer series with a much bigger budget and nosedive is an episode based on the idea that all your interactions in society are based on a social network every single one uh, so you're rated constantly for everything you do, photos you take, photos you put on Facebook or the equivalent, even just tipping someone or not at a at a restaurant, or in the case of the main character, how they act at a wedding that they're going to, and that and all those sort of social interactions are all rated. Interest uh, on a slight side note, the Chinese government is actually trying to do this. They are they are putting out an app, or they're intending to, where citizens are basically rated on how good a citizen they are, and that will get you access to various different things and what i have to say to giant's government is black mirror is not a roadmap for your society crazy stuff yeah if, if you're if your government if if you're in government and you and any of your policies come close to a black mirror episode you should stop right now there's a proven track record of science fiction forerunning events that are that occur example of things you know you you joke about or not joke but you the idea of 1984 the oh, conference yeah. events of big brother and now the united kingdom is yeah. the most surveyed country i believe in the world well tablets and star trek tablets and star trek that, Tab- kind of tab- yeah. oh, star yeah, trek, that i'm it's not surprising let's just say that 
No, indeed. So, yeah, so uh, a board game based on Nosedive is coming to Target. It's going to be a Target exclusive again. Uh, Nosedive features light, social, and strategic gameplay that is engaging, interactive, and accessible for new players. We don't know much more about it at the moment, other than there is going to be app integration, appropriately enough for a series about tech horror. I am very dubious of this. I mean, I really, really love Black Mirror. I find it hard to recommend to people because some of the episodes are very hard watch. But can they really capture that sort of like that creeping horror of the episode in a board game? I don't know if you can. From the horror of real life, we're going to go to the horror of high fantasy um, with two custom scenario kits being announced and released for the Lord of the Rings, the card game. Um, Still going strong, which is good to see. I was a long time player and then about two, three years ago, ducked out of the game it was just getting a bit too much not finding i had the time anymore these are both decks that have been released at certain events throughout the past year um i think one was recently one of their gen con decks but now they are being released to the general public we have the wizard's quest and the woodland realm and what they mean by custom scenarios so usually how it works in lord of the rings the card game much like arkham horror and other kind of adventure card games like that, you get given a deck that you work through, and that's and that's the story of that scenario. You know, it's unchangeable. There it is. With these custom ones, you're given a few options that at the beginning of the game, you build that deck yourself, and it just gives you a lot more to work with and a lot more replay value, really, I think is what they're going for, you know, and just a different take on the game. Um... What do you think about this, Ian, being a big card games player? Yeah, I mean, like, I can see custom scenarios being a cool addition to the game. It would, might be an interesting thing to see in Arkham somewhere down the line I as think well. It's something like, we'll maybe probably bits and pieces. definitely see in Arkham. Some of the same team for the Lord of the Rings LCG are involved with Arkham as well. So if this works for them, then maybe that will see something like that in Arkham, a sort of like choose your own adventure style kind of thing that you can put together your own scenarios that that'd be a cool thing to see i'd, I'd like to see that kind of thing in arkham but um yeah i mean i've got no interest in this particularly myself because i never really played the lord of the rings lcg uh but it's good to see it still being supported for its fans and it still seems to be going strong so that's great yeah no always good to see more good stuff as we mentioned earlier in the show we were at the glasgow games festival on saturday and uh, mostly we just played games amongst ourselves i have to admit because we don't really get to see each other in the flesh very often but we did have a wee wander around the show and what did you think of it guys it was friendly yeah seemed to be a lot kind of going on lots of people attracted to it which is really good yeah it, was, it felt busier than last year to me it felt like there was a lot more people there than last year but i, I haven't seen their numbers yet but it, it did feel a good bit busier than there was a a good few exhibitors, some, a lot of local designers like uh, Mark McKinnon of Wreck and Ruin, Keith of Nuts and Bots. Uh, there was one free elephant were there with their stuff. Bez, Bez was uh, there. Bez was there as well. Um, a couple of local shops. Uh, there was Nightly Games from Lanark and Red Dice Games from Edinburgh were both there. And yeah, it was just a good, friendly, relaxed event with a decent games library. Got some, had some Essen releases in there. And we met up with a good few friends of the show. We met up with the Lucky Frog, played a bit of Keyforge with them. Indeed. Um, I, I met up with Ian from Unpopular Mechanics on Twitter and finally had a Netrunner game that has been brewing since Tabletop Scotland. That was good fun. <laughs> uh, I beat him, though. So, you know, that's, it's all good. No, that, that, was, that, was really good. that was really good fun. I didn't get a chance to play Space Horizons that he was showing off at the con, unfortunately. So It was just it was nice to see you guys come over to the West Coast for once. And... Mm. Yeah. As we said, we don't see each other very often. We probably see each other in the flesh 
altogether, I'd probably say less than half a dozen times this year. I don't. We don't see each other in the altogether. Don't give the listeners the wrong impression. <laughs> no, not that way. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, no. no, I think we, yeah, it's, we, we've. It's not that kind of festival. No, no, we no. Very rarely, often manage to get together the three of us and play some games. So it's always good when we did, when we do. Um, yeah, we we started the day with some keyforge, showing Jamie the ropes. Um, we played an unlock adventure. Yes, I yeah. I in preparation for this, uh, I bought the one of the most recent unlock boxes unlock secret adventures it's the third box set in the unlock series that's been released in the uk and europe so far now sam and i have played uh the last two boxes so we played six adventures all together and a promo and one, one promo played as well and i'd never played an unlock adventure in my life and we jumped into the hardest one in the box with the wizard of oz uh, yes <laughs> i quite i quite enjoyed it i can totally see the appeal of the yeah. games um, I think it does I, something I def- that nothing def- else does, which is nice. yeah, it def- definitely does something nothing else does. The app integration is good. Uh, there is occasional sort of like we, uh, as uh, my, my brother-in-law Dave was with us as well and was playing as well, and he made a very good point that there is a certain logic that the designers use, and it's just one of those things that you sort of have to tune into a little bit, much like you used to have to tune into sort of point-and-click adventure logic, that kind of thing. But uh, as well as Unlock, we played um, Scofton. We did. As well, which is a game that I've been sent from Moose Games all the way from Australia. Uh, I'd played it once before. What did you guys think of it? Um, so this is a worker placement game that's themed around a restaurant. Um, An all-you-can-eat restaurant. Yeah, e- eating some lovely food, rearranging it in your stomach and scoring points. <laughs> Quite a new, interesting theme take on that, to be honest. Um, as far as the way it played, I found it to be a very standard worker placement. But as you were saying, yeah. I think the theme is actually quite nice there. You know, that there's ways to kind of steal things off other people's plates, um, spill things on the floor so people can't access certain parts of the restaurant with their meeples. And there were some nice little things in there to give it a little little bit of flair. What about, what, what about you, Jimmy? You're a worker placement guy. <laughs> Apparently. Um, I thought as a Definitely. kind of... <laughs> yeah. I think as it was a kind of nice light to medium worker placement game with a little bit of um, tile kind of placement as well as worker placement, if that makes sense. Reminds, reminds me ever so slightly of Ex Libris with the, not just the puzzle on the board, but the puzzle of, I In need to get... In front of you, yeah. Yeah, the puzzle, yeah. On, the puzzle on the main board and the puzzle on the personal board where you're trying to get particular food into a particular section of your stomach in order to gain points. I think it was fine, would I get it if I had no other worker placements? Probably. Would I buy it as another good example of worker placement? I'll be honest and say, probably not. It was good at what it did, but yeah. it didn't make me go, it didn't make my socks roll up and down. Let's say that way. Yeah, I think it's a fairly straightforward worker placement. If I didn't have another worker placement, I might go for it, actually. Because okay. I think it's it's probably one of the most thematic worker placement games I've played. I would, like I would the theme say, comes yeah. Re- I, think, I think the theme comes through really well. I, I find that a lot of worker placements, the theme is very hidden. Pitted up against something like Ex Libris, I'd go with Ex Libris. I think Ex Libris That's with fair. the theme. And when I was playing Scofton, I was at points very aware I was playing a worker placement game. And that's what it was. It was like, what? what's this guy going to do this turn? He's going to go to that counter. This guy's going to go to that counter. And I need to get these things into yeah. my plate or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Ex Libris... I was kind of a bit more engrossed in the world and all the locations you could go to and sorting out my... Because also I think the the puzzle in Ex Libris of rearranging your bookshelf yeah. is a bit more involved. It's a good puzzle. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, and that's actually the main bit of the game in Ex Libris where I found it wasn't in Scofton. But yeah. hey, I think it was a good fun and it was kind of odd, oddly charming in a way. So uh, for, our, for our brainstorm this week, this comes from Simon Marr on Twitter. Thanks very much, Simon, for posing this. Uh, Simon was wondering what game mechanics we would like to see the back of or see more of in 2019. So I've turned that around a little bit to when I was forming the question for brainstorm. So in that instead, it, this question is, what do you guys think was the most used mechanic in games that came out this year? And where do we think we'll see innovation over the course of 2019? This year and last year, to be honest, but carried on into this year, we've seen a bigger boom in, in the legacy mechanic, you know. Yeah, the, absolutely. I've the seen a lot ongoing of campaign game, regularly meet up and play through this story, play through this world, whatever it might be. Whether that's an official Rob Davio legacy game or just something with those elements. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen, yeah, we've seen uh, more games coming out with the legacy tag on them, which we're fairly convinced it's probably copyrighted because it seems to only be on Rabbit Davia yeah. games. Um, and also, yeah, like you say, Sam, more games with more campaign mode like the Arkham Horror LCG. Or Jamie Stegmaier's Charterstone. Charterstone, uh, Scythe got a campaign expansion this yeah. year Yeah, the Rise of well. Things like Gloomhaven yeah. being continued on an expansion. Yeah. And while these are not bad mechanics in themselves, or the, the, it's not a bad mechanic itself, I mean, look how well it's been done or how well it's mm -hmm. doing to see that you're getting all these spin-offs i mean we had machi koro legacy announced at gen con it's possible that is that bubble about to burst well i think i think the more recent legacy games have not had as great a reception certainly legacy werewolf legacy seems to have calmed down not quite as well as yeah. it might have hoped uh, I think uh, that's the same with Betrayal Legacy as well. Doesn't seem to have quite got the critical reception they might have been hoping for. Um, so yeah, maybe we're starting to see the end of that trend. I think the other big one for this year has got to be Roll and Write. We're seeing Roll and Write games come out of everywhere. Every company now, is working on just Roll and Write. To, just to clarify things, people, we are talking about the Roll and Write genre of games. Not a man called Roland Wright. Although he's he, a good friend of the show. He yes, makes he's a very good friend of the show. Though. Games. He's got amazing penmanship, I tell you. Uh, but yeah, that is becoming a affordable, accessible, varied genre, let's say, or genre or mechanic. It, it almost harks back to the old school. Like I, I, I can think of something like I would think like something like Yahtzee would come around to roll and write. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's the simplest form of that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yahtzee is probably like the pioneering roll and write game. I, I would think. Yeah, no. Yes. I think it is something that is actually quite fun and it's nice, and I want to play more. You know that. This year has been a boom in them, and I actually haven't got around to playing one. I'm thinking about back in Welcome to Dino World, if that is still... One thing that obviously boomed... Well, one thing that was obviously born this year, and I think amongst us, we kind of feel it was maybe born from the legacy things, um, was Fantasy Flight pioneering the unique game. Now that that technology exists, and there's already two examples out there with Keyforge and... With Keyforge and Discover Lands Unknown... I think we're just going to see that from more companies now. More people emulating that thing. I don't. I don't think. I don't think we'll see it from more companies. I think we're just going to see more from Fantasy Flight because we'll see more I from Fantasy it, Flight, but people will replicate it. Yeah, but that yeah. But the unique game is a registered trademark, I believe. No, no, yeah, but the actual tech. Like oh no, yeah, yeah, LCG, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen LCGs from other companies. No, just no, I, I know, that, but I mean, under that, instance. under that brand. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. I am not as convinced by this as you, Sam. I think. I think Discoverlands Unknown is not getting the reception they maybe want. 
I think Keyforge is a great example of. I am not saying that this is really good and needs to be innovated. I'm just saying we will see more of it. Yeah, but where I. I don't know where I agree with you. I think it, I think it needs the right game. Yes, no. I think it's a, I think it's a very spe- unlike roll the right games or legacy games where you can basically take those mechanics and apply them maybe to your property or whatever. I think unique games like Keyforge, like Discover Lands Unknown, it needs a very specific game to apply that tech to. I feel I'm happy to take the gamble on the randomness with something that costs nine pounds. Yeah, absolutely. With a forty pound board game like Discover. Yeah, I don't want to take that risk. I want a game that I know I'm going to enjoy, that I'm going to get some value out of. And if you, and if you don't enjoy it, you spent nine pounds on it. Yeah, and it's not too bad, you know. So I think that's something we are going to see going forwards. Um, you know, Keyforge is definitely going to stick around. Yeah, it's I, I think I think you're right. We'll definitely see more unique games in 2019 or something using that kind of technology. Definitely. Now that now Fancy Flight has shown it exists. Sam, can you hold back Ian slightly, please? Yeah, I know. He's getting quite angry at things. He's, um, he's, he's, he's getting quite worked up. Now, this about is not a, plastic. This, this is not a, this is this is not a new concept so by any means. Over the last couple of years, the growth in miniatures dependent almost uh, board games has exploded on Kickstarter. Basically just games being sold on the fact they have lots of miniatures. Yeah, the the apotheosis of this is campaigns such as hate uh from Culminar or not earlier this year and cthulhu death may die or the most recent one um from triton noir assassin's creed brotherhood of venice yes yeah games that actually seem a bit lackluster in game um but come with gorgeous miniatures yeah you know my opinion on this is basically i think big seat great i think big seas of gray plastic look really dull and i'd much rather have nice standees yeah yep colorful i just would artwork nice big colorful nice standees if, if you if you want to check out um check out principal heroes on twitter or facebook or um just google it this is a guy who does 2d standees for basically dungeons and dragons and it, they're absolutely fantastic really bright cartoony mm-hmm. sort of versions of monsters and all sorts and they just look amazing absolutely fantastic i'd love to see a board game with those in it and this is something that's been carried over to to um gloomhaven which you're you're still tracking through um, yeah and uh, and also i think i think it's an environmental issue as well like we use so much plastic on board gaming and it's it's nice to see companies like blue orange producing something like photosynthesis which is entirely made of recycled cardboard and i'd like to see more companies being a little bit more thoughtful about that kind of thing because let's face it we as board gamers do consume a lot of resources yeah. for our hobby and there are some fantastic artists out there that yeah just amazing know. artists yeah yeah. That's why I want to see in 2019. I want to see more games coming out with standees rather than miniatures. You don't need miniatures. I'd much rather have a nice, colourful standee. Please make that happen, board game companies. That'd be lovely. Also makes your games cheaper for consumers. Also makes your games cheaper, yep. I think ultimately what we're saying is that mechanics themselves aren't necessarily a bad thing. It's maybe sometimes the overuse of them, simply the bad use of them, you know, maybe selling something on one mechanic or one thing in a game. I think it's bad use, especially especially if you attach that mechanic to an intellectual property that might be someone's first 
uh, touchstone with board games. Yeah. If that's just a sort of dull, uninteresting game with just that central mechanic to sort of try and drag people in, that's a real shame if those people then just walk away from the table not having had a good experience. And what I'd like to see is just, I mean, we're always going to get iteration in board games. I was speaking to someone on Twitter about this recently, is that the iteration is no bad thing. A lot of games are going to be a little bit work a day. Like, that's just the bread and butter of a lot of games companies. We're not going to get the next sort of legacy mechanic or the next big sort of like shift in board games every single year. That's just not going to happen. But it is good to see a little bit of innovation here and there and just people considering um, what if mechanics fit their particular game and not just shoehorning things in just because they're the, you know, the, the, the flavour of the moment. So talking about innovation and changing things up, we thought we'd keep it really in theme for the end of the show this week um, by talking about um, a company constantly innovating changing themes, changing people's expectations of board games. And with that, we'd like to announce um, Scout's Monopoly um, from Hasbro. Guys, Monopoly, guys, all about I told the you about Scouts. Monopoly stories. Stop, stop putting Monopoly stories at Ian, the end of the show. this is not a Monopoly story. This is a Scout's, a, there's a Scout Association story. And as a ex-Scout leader, I believe this is personal interest. So, Scout's Monopoly. Scout's the old... The equivalent of the old Kent Road is Brown Sea Island, the site of the first ever scout camp. Um, we're also getting a long-awaited sequel to one of their previous games, one of their best-selling games. We're getting, a, we're getting, we're getting games. Monopoly Second Edition. We are, of Game of Thrones. Long-awaited, really anticipated from the community. Comes with a nice Iron Throne to hold your community chess cards. Really nice innovation of components there. Yep. And um, Sam, and guess what? What? You can press a button on the Iron Throne card holder and it oh. plays the Game of Th- Thrones theme song. Well, what more do you want in gaming? It, that is theme immersion. That is story-led gaming almost. I'll tell you what. I know what I want as well. A change to the paper money. And funnily enough, Hasbro has done that. They're not Glorious. using the paper money of Monopoly anymore. They're getting the silver stags and gold dragons from... Oh the tv show and that is used in place of the paper money now they might just be cardboard tokens but you know what but as we were saying who needs fancy components think about the planet cardboard tokens really nice um and everything in this version this second edition as i think we should call it just points to more immersion you know you've got the throne you've got the music you've got real westeros money there Moving from the Dragons of Game of Thrones to another dragon happening in London very soon. I am going to be going to Dragon Meet on the 1st of December. I will be there wearing my press hats, not quite literally, but I will be wearing the new giant brain livery that we're all um, wearing at Glasgow Games Festival. And I'll be looking out for the cool new things, hoping to play some games. And yeah, uh, come up and say hi and uh, let's play some games together. I'll bring my Keyforge deck with me as well, of course, and hope to get in a couple games. Uh, Hope to see some of you there. Just before we go, we'd like to do a little shout out to our latest patron, that is Robert Ruthven, who runs the Lucky Sparrow Games Cafe, which will be opening up soon in Glasgow. They are our most recent patron, and we gave them some badges for all the staff at the Lucky Sparrow Games Cafe. And hopefully once they are out and open, we will be heading through there to maybe run some games, play some games there, and um, check them out. We'll give you a full report if we do that. Oh, I definitely will. Don't worry. 
Yeah, uh, Jamie, as our West Coast correspondent, will definitely be visiting and tell us what it's like. If you would like to join Robert and uh, become a patron, we will put a link in the show notes. For just $1 a month, you will get a link to the extended version of the cast. And believe me, this cast is going to have a very extended version. <laughs> and you will also get access to the Idle Thoughts cast, which is our new sister cast. The first one of that will be going out this week to our patrons at the $2 level. That's a cast where Sam, Jamie and I just chat about, uh, chat about the games we've played. And uh, yeah, we'll be doing that once a month. Uh, so thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. Every little share helps. Twitter, Facebook, we don't really mind. Just share us about it. It really, really helps us out. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, at The Giant Brain, Instagram, I'm sorry, Instagram, Giant Brain UK, Facebook, The Giant Brain, website is giantbrain.co.uk, where we put up reviews and that kind of thing. And our email address is giantbrainuk at gmail.com. And please do get in touch. Let us know what you'd like to hear about on Brainstorm in the future. If you've got ideas for questions we might debate, if you've got tasty bits of news, please let us know, especially if you're a smaller company in the UK. We really want to hear from you.